Welcome to Ars Equi, the podcast on all things law and technology. I'm Tima. I'm Paul. And on this episode, Internet Accessibility. So this concept of internet accessibility is basically an overall goal of trying to achieve a barrier-free web. So the idea is to create an online space which all people can use regardless of any physical, mental, or technical restrictions that they might have. So essentially it's trying to bring all the ideas that we have in the real world about inclusion and about making sure that people have access to different spaces, things like that, bringing that into the online landscape. Yeah, so this isn't just for people with, you know, the classical uh, disabilities, so not just out of hearing or, or visually impaired, but also uh, every one of us in yeah. certain situations. So. Uh, I was surprised to learn that even when you're, for example, in bright sunlight and you can't really read the text on your screen, that's also a form of this uh, of, of accessibility issue mm. because you can't use, for example, the website as you would have um, otherwise. Mm. Or if you're on a train and can don't have headphones and can't listen to audio, so these features really help uh, each and every one of us. Uh, to really make use of, of the tools that we have. Yeah, and I think internet accessibility is something that we should all care about mm -hmm. because like Paul says, obviously it affects all of us, but it's also important because we understand that the internet is such an important source of news, communication, like we manage our finances online, school is online now for the most part, we work on the internet. So it's really important that all people regardless of whatever limitations they might have, are able to access that and are able to have the benefits of being able to be on the internet and, you know, consume whatever they need to consume in that way. So it's really important for able-bodied people to care about this and to make sure that we really hold our favorite companies accountable and make sure that they are adhering to the laws and the guidelines around internet accessibility. Yeah, and I'm annoyed when a website isn't designed well or when I find something confusing, but if you don't even have the possibility to access it, it must be very frustrating. Exactly. And, you know, before we started talking about this idea, I never... And this just shows like the level of privilege that we have mm. as able-bodied people. I never thought about, you know, what a disabled, how a disabled person would navigate online. You know, how does a blind person mm. go on Instagram? Like, you know, little things <laughs> mm -hmm. like that, like you never consider that because you don't have to live in that world, but it's really important to care about how other people are living. And it just creates and fosters the whole environment of inclusion that we're trying to have in this world. Yeah, so there are certain technical elements to this. Obviously, so tech solutions that enable people um, to use um, these these services, but also uh, design decisions, right? Mm. So and and conscious decisions by uh, designers, by programmers, by developers um, to make uh, a website, make an app accessible. Exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go into all of the tech for good solutions that are available and have a look at what our favorite apps and what our favorite companies are doing to foster inclusion. Um, but first, let's start with the legal framework, right? So this is a law podcast, <laughs> as we always say. Um, so 
it was interesting. It's interesting to know that there is a legal framework around internet accessibility, and to some extent, we as users have rights to be able to properly access websites and applications when we need to um, draw information from them. So, in the South African context, we don't have a specific legislation on web accessibility, but Section Nine of the Constitution prevents unfair discrimination on several grounds, including on the grounds of disability. And also it prevents discrimination in all forms, right? So discrimination online, discrimination in real life, all of that is included. And the constitution also has the right to information. So this requires that private and public bodies take reasonable steps to ensure that people are able to access important information. So just from these constitutional rights, we already see that the law places an obligation, especially on public bodies, but also on private bodies, to foster inclusion and to make sure that people are able to access information when they need to online. Yeah, I think this is really interesting because I was looking at different legislation and was very specific for the web and for specific standards and so on. But even these like very general rights, as you say, for example, the, the right to access information mm. uh, can be impacted here by not providing it in an accessible way. Exactly. I mean, especially if we just look in the context of coronavirus, mm -hmm. it was it's extremely important to be able to access information about changes in the law, changes in the rules. Do I have to wear a mask? Do I not? And the easiest way to access that is to go online and go on the government websites and check, right? And if your government website is not easily accessible to all people, then that really impairs someone's right of access to information. So it's kind of like this right that we don't always see as being this huge holistic right, because it's usually just brought into play when someone needs information about a specific legal decision or something mm. in like a criminal context or whatever, but it actually can be extended into the online space. Yeah. And I mean, this goes beyond, you know, like these technical measures that we will discuss um, and that are really, you know, web standards and, and, and so on, but it goes on to uh, simple language, for example, or diff different languages, mm -hmm. uh, just so to reach, especially in the coronavirus context, this is very interesting, um, to reach everybody that it needs to reach. Exactly. So definitely web accessibility is extremely important. And I think it's nice to see that we already have an existing legal framework that we can mm -hmm. use mm -hmm. to enforce this right. Now, in the EU, there is uh, some specific legislation on this. So there was uh, a directive from 2016 about web accessibility, which obliges all public bodies to um, make their websites accessible. So since a year or so, uh, for a year now, uh, they have this uh, standard and uh, we did a test that will come to back later um, to see how how they performed and, and how they um, adhere to this law. Now, there's also another um, directive in that has been passed already last year and is going to go into effect in 2025 where uh, this obligation for uh, web accessibility is also extended to private bodies. So companies, specific companies, so for example, e-commerce uh, platforms, but also uh, websites where you can book train tickets mm. uh, have to be accessible and have to have um, a, a certain standard. For example, having uh, information available um, in multiple sensory channels so you can um, access it in different ways. No, this is really good though. And I think it's really interesting that they've, extended 
what was previously just for public bodies and they've extended it to impact private mm -hmm. um, institutions as well. I think that's great. I think that's a good step forward. Yeah, and uh, Norway actually has a law that uh, mandates private companies to have uh, accessible websites, have accessible um, applications, and it actually is quite a success. So it is re really popular and it reduces the excuses that you can make that um, accessibility is always an afterthought or just costs money or is in the way of making good design, for example, mm. because uh, the counter argument now always is, yeah, but it's illegal if you yeah. don't do it. So um, this apparently has changed things. And when one uh, big airline changed the website in an inaccessible way and was fined for this by the public, uh, but it's supervisory authority. Uh, this was actually a thing. Like people started talking about yeah. web accessibility. Uh, we're talking about how this one airline is bad for doing it, whereas another airline does it well. Mm. Uh, so it really also has an impact uh, on your business. 100%. And I think it's also important that um, the whole idea of web accessibility by design. You know, we talk about privacy by design, mm -hmm. data protection by design. I think web accessibility by design should be part of that conversation because it's so important. And I think um, we can't continue to marginalize, further marginalize already marginalized groups, mm -hmm. you know, like already living in the world as a person with certain disabilities must be so difficult. On the in online, it shouldn't also those difficulties should not also then translate into that. And whatever we can do to minimize that should be something that we can do. And some of the examples are just so basic mm. and so easy that it's like it doesn't make sense why developers would not do this already. Yeah. So, but it also is a huge market. So exactly. uh, there is some business interest in doing in making a website accessible because I, I saw a statistic that roughly twenty percent. Uh, of people have one or another disability. So there are people there who would use your product uh, if you make it accessible. Exactly. So it's also a business incentive as well as a moral incentive to do the right thing. And a legal one. Exactly. So do the right thing, you guys. Um, okay, so let's go and talk about the ways in which you can achieve web, web accessibility. I mean, like we've said, some of these examples are really basic and really quite easy. And a lot of our favorite applications and companies are already doing this. So TikTok is a great example um, because TikTok has recently made a new update. And in this new update, essentially when you upload a video, um, it already will be auto-captioned. So they've included this auto-caption feature. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're saying will already have subtitles included on the TikTok videos. But this is something that we had been seeing since the beginning of of videos on TikTok though. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting the subtitle discussion in general because for example, YouTube also has it. Mm. Uh, and uh, TikTok really early uh, users, I think just started doing it. Mm. Uh, A, because uh, to, to make it accessible, but also because it really like the, the concept of the app unlike for example Instagram really depends on the audio exactly. and if you're somewhere public for example and don't want to listen to it you can't use the app so people are interested in having these subtitles just because the videos get watched more because mm. you're not getting scrolled past just because you don't have subtitles uh, and this kind of developed as a user um, uh, thing uh, and now uh, a real function, a real feature has been introduced by, by TikTok. Yeah, so TikTok is taking an active step to do something about this. And already they, they saw that users were doing this anyways. So why not just automate this and make it easier for everyone and also make it accessible for um, people who are hard of hearing? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
there's also an interesting. I'm, I'm thinking of the you know business side of this and of of the decision because obviously it's a lot a lot of investment into uh, this technology, um, and I'm also thinking that they are doing this to some extent anyway. So they are organ- uh, analyzing the content of a video mm. for, for example, content moderation mm. or getting pe- recommending videos to people. True. Um, so this is something they're doing anyway. And now they can't, and which is, so you have to convert it to text first in order to analyze it. Yeah. So um, if they have the text already, then they can just display it as well. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some um, influencers on Instagram doing mm-hmm. something similar on their stories. And it's like, it looks like, you know, how if you play music on the Instagram stories, you can sometimes see the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that functionality, mm-hmm. and but it's with the words that they're saying. So I think there's a way you can do it on Instagram, but apparently I was reading up on this and I'm not 100% sure. Apparently you have to download a separate app called Threads mm-hmm. or something, which is... It's a different Instagram app, but for close friends or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where the feature is. And then you can save that video and upload it onto your main Instagram stories. Okay, so people are going through quite a lot, actually. Yeah, because I saw that and I was thinking, oh, where is this feature? And I tried to look for it. And then I realized that you have to do it on thread. So perhaps that's something that Instagram, if it's not already implemented, I'm not sure, should consider implementing into the stories feature. Um, but Instagram also has something that I thought was quite cool that I've never seen before, but apparently when you upload your picture on Instagram, there's a functionality where you can go to um, more settings, right? Mm -hmm. While you're uploading the picture. So you upload the picture before you post it, you can actually include something that's called an alt text. And basically that's where you write a text describing the photo Mm -hmm. so that that people who have visual impairments, when they go through Instagram, they'll hear an automated voice describing your image to Mm -hmm. them. So yeah, that's also something that we could all easily do um, on our Instagrams and it would make the space a lot more inclusive. Yeah, this is also one of the main features for websites in general. So the W3C, which is the regulatory body, more or less, of the internet, mm-hmm. who who do who does um, the the technical standards, uh, not necessarily the legal ones, um, so that web developers are doing uh, can you know use the features that browsers offer, and so all of these um, work together well. And for example, this has been there for a long time. Is the alt text? Yeah. So if the connection is bad, so this was kind of the original idea, uh, and you couldn't download the picture, you at least have the text, but this is also a great accessibility feature. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, all of these examples that we're discussing, most of them are derived from international standards. Mm -hmm. So the web content accessibility guidelines is the main one Mm -hmm. that um, web developers use, and those guidelines basically outline most of the stuff that we're talking about. So all of this stuff is not new. I think Mm. it's just um, things that are not really communicated to the public that we are actively doing this and that to make this experience inclusive for all people. Yeah. And this is actually also the guideline that uh, most of the laws point to. Mm. So when they're saying your websites need to be accessible, this is the standard uh, which you follow. Exactly. So if you're getting, if you are getting an app developed or I don't know, make it, creating a website, maybe you're doing it by yourself. It's probably a good idea to have a look at those guidelines and see and make sure that you know everything that you're doing is in line with the accessibility guidelines. Mm. Okay. Should we chat a little bit about the assist 
adaptive technology. Yes, I find this really interesting. Right. So there's like separate from what we've discussed now, which is just conscious decisions and web design mm -hmm. and user interface, there's actually specific technology that is developed specifically just to assist people with disabilities and impairments when they're using the internet. Mm -hmm. And I found this so interesting because I had no idea about these things. Like the first really cool one that I saw was a screen reading software. Mm -hmm. So essentially it's a software that's used by blind or visually impaired people. And essentially it's just a voice that reads the content on the web page for you. Yeah, and for this to work, you need to structure your web page correctly so it doesn't just go all over the place exactly. and, and so that it makes sense even if it's read aloud. Yeah, so that one's really cool. And apparently there's voiceover for Mac, Windows has um, this functionality as well. Mm -hmm. And another interesting one is the motion tracker or the eye tracker. So essentially, this is some sort of software that can be included in your device and it, and it what that it, and it watches a target, so it can watch your eyes and it can interpret where the user wants the mouse pointer to move. So like you can move your eyes up and down and it scrolls down the screen. So this would obviously be helpful for people who don't um, are not able to use their hands or have issues using their hands and their arms and they can literally move the page with their eyes. Yeah, I mean, this is all so fascinating because it's really interesting technical solutions. Yes. Uh, and some of them are even integrated in your um, operating system. So for example, for smartwatches, I found this um, for Apple Watches where mm -hmm. you can uh, clench your fist to, for example, pick up the phone if you just have oh. um, one hand. So you... you just can put it on one hand and don't need the other, for example, and oh, then move really your wrist around to navigate. Uh, so it's really, uh, on, on a technical level, it's really complex. Yeah. Uh, and really a lot of effort that people go through there. But also like just really smart because it's just, it's such a, an easy, not an, I mean, probably difficult to develop mm -hmm. solution, but such an easy solution that can really change things for a lot of people and can yeah. really positively yeah. influence people's lives. And you need to be inventive in, in this kind of Yes, right. I think I love the fact that there's all of these inventive solutions, which is why we really wanted to do this Tech for Good series, because we just find it interesting that we can use technology in such an innovative way to really make people's lives better, as opposed to just always talking about data breaches <laughs> and what's wrong with tech. It's nice to see yeah. what's, what's good with tech as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, another interesting one that I saw was speech input software. Mm -hmm. So again, software that you can have on your device and essentially it allows you to control your device with your voice. Mm -hmm. So you can um, tell your computer, close tab, open tab, click here, scroll down, which is also a really cool thing that you can be able to do if you have certain impairments and can't use your hands to type or whatever. Mm -hmm. One feature that I found quite interesting was on iPhones. Uh, it can recognize certain sounds and give you a notification. So, for example, if your fire alarm goes off, oh. uh, but you can't hear it, um, it, it gives you uh, it gives you a notification, tells you. Oh, that's very cool. There's a certain sound. I think it's also interesting that, for example, um, the Play Store mm -hmm. has this accessibility feature. So, whenever you try to, whenever you up upload a third-party app on the on the Play Store, you can actually have your app tested and have it checked to see if it meets the standards of accessibility and have recommendations on how to improve your app. Mm -hmm. So, already that is also a great step towards. Um, 
achieving inclusivity. Yeah, and I actually used a, a tool that is quite similar to this. Yeah. So um, Google Chrome offers this tool. It's called Lighthouse to mm-hmm. access uh, to assess uh, your. Um, websites, so statistics in general, so for example, your speed or how well optimized it is for search engines, but also a a point in there is uh, accessibility and it checks certain features, obviously not all of them because not all of them can be automatically assessed. but um, it does, it gives you a score in the end out of 100 on how accessible your website is. And I ran this on on our website, so the department website. Yeah. And we got a 75. I mean, we could do better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But it's not bad, you know, it's a good start. It isn't bad uh, because I also did the top 50 websites um, in, in Austria. So Google is, for example, in there, but also... Um, Facebook and Wikipedia and, and stuff like that. So how do we score in comparison to the top 50 websites? We are below average. Okay. Uh, so the average uh, total score for, for accessibility for private websites, so mm-hmm. ex- excluding the, the public ones because they have the obligation to, to have accessibility standards. Uh, so the private average is 87%. Okay, so we can do way better than 75. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and interestingly, the public sector websites were only slightly higher with 91%. Okay, but I think that's quite strong for the public websites. Then there must be, because I read that there's going to be a review mm-hmm. um, based on this um, accessibility directive. There's going to be a review this year, I believe, mm-hmm. to see how public websites have been able to comply and if things need to change and so on. So, I mean, that shows that I guess the directive has been applied quite well across the board. Yes, definitely. And and most of them are really compliant. Some even got a 100% Score. So, That's for example, good. the um, uh, public railways uh, in Austria. Uh, but what I what I also find quite interesting is that this only is obviously a part uh, of the accessibility. So you can only like these really technical standards. It, for example, measures the color contrast between the text and the background. So so you can. Um, see better and this is one of the the points that is the lowest so they're only um i think less than 50 percent yeah even 25 percent of of private websites um passed this test i see we failed that part with our we department did, yeah. website so, so like light gray on white so yeah isn't a good idea. so apparently our background and foreground colors don't have sufficient contrast ratio yeah and i mean this isn't something you think about yes. when you're designing something but it's an easy fix right definitely it's an easy fix another interesting thing is navigation mm-hmm. so they say that um well i'm looking at the score for our department website and we don't do well with navigation either it says Heading elements are not in a sequential descending order. So if you were to have kind of like a, a motion reading technology or something mm-hmm. or one of the other tech solutions that we discussed, then the voice the voiceover wouldn't be able to read the website to mm-hmm. someone with visual impairments in a sequential order. So it would be difficult for them to follow mm-hmm. what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also an easy fix, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting. And I think... It would be cool if people could use um, could use this and mm-hmm. assess their own websites and see where, because it tells you clearly where you can improve, um, what, where you're lacking, what's good, what's bad, what best practice guidelines you should look at again. So it's mm. really interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big parts of this uh, web accessibility directive is that you need, that these public sector bodies need to assess 
their accessibility. Mm -hmm. So they actually need to look uh, and they need to invest thought into this and they can in certain areas not be accessible if it isn't possible, uh, but at least they have to be conscious of this and have to find ways and have to prove that they want to find ways um, where they where they could improve. I love that. I really find it really interesting and really great that this is such a big topic of conversation. I think it's really great because I never knew about this directive. I never mm. knew how the law was being applied in this area. I think it's really great that we are doing something to ensure that we don't like mimic the same marginalization in the real world and the online space. And I mean, there's only so far we can go because I guess to some extent it's the individual company's decision how accessible mm. their websites are going to be. But I love that the law is getting involved and really putting the pressure yeah. on companies to do more. And also tech doesn't have to be a hurdle to accessibility, but can also help uh, uh, because it develops tools uh, also help in the real world. Exactly. And I think the whole idea of what the internet was initially supposed to mm -hmm. be really fits with, with this whole concept of making it an open space where everybody can participate, nobody feels marginalized. I think that's the goal of where we're trying to go with the mm -hmm. internet, with social media altogether. So I think this is a great start. Yeah, yeah. And a great end of the episode. Yes. So that brings us to the end of the Tech for Good series. We hope you have enjoyed it. We've had a lot of fun talking to you about different technologies and we hope that some of us or some of you listening will come up with more technological solutions that will make our world a better place thank you for listening